Welcome to the Matt Report, the number one WordPress business podcast. This isn't geek speak. It's about the journey of success and failure as a WordPress entrepreneur. Get ready. You're just an episode away from your next aha experience or big idea. And now your host, Matt. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Matt Report. Uh, awesome episode, as always, today with Andrew Norcross of Reactive Studios, here to t- teach us um, what it's like to be a professional WordPress developer, uh, especially if you're somebody who's just getting into WordPress development. Uh, how do you find this WordPress community, right? How do you fit in? Where do you connect with other people? How do you connect with agencies? How do you find clients? So he's going to share some tips and some tricks on how to do that. And then we're going to dive into his newly launched business, um, selling a premium plugin, and sort of his biggest obstacles and how he went about it, uh, what's working for him now. Um, so it's a great lesson for anybody who's um, getting into that arena as well. You don't have to be a developer um, to sort of hear this kind of talk. Um, it's all very uh, sort of marketing and, and, and the challenges that he faces, right? So it'll be a good lesson there. Um, other news around the Matt Report, as always, um, loving all the iTunes reviews. Keep them coming. It really helps, uh, really validates uh, what I'm doing. So thanks for that. Um, over at the mentor site, wpmentor.org, that's still cranking away almost 60 mentorships listed now. So if you're, you're looking to get involved as a mentor or you're somebody who needs some help uh, with that, head on over to... Uh, the mentor site, wpmentor.org. Um, try your hand at that. If you're somebody who's looking for uh, WordPress help for your WordPress website, um, we or you're a consultant and you're looking to kind of uh, get rid of the support end of your business, we just launched our own support site over at Embrace WP. Dot com and um, new I mean something that we've always done with our clients is supporting our clients after we do a web design um, or WordPress design for them so now we've just kind of packaged it up put it out on the web um, for folks to consume so if you're looking for any of that kind of help or know someone who is uh, embrace wp.com really appreciate that um, so lots of new stuff buzzing around uh, the WordPress world these days and a lot of it has to do with that uh, pricing a product. Um, and recently I wrote about that uh, over on that report um, about that topic and what it's like to price um, you know, these types of plugins and, and, and not doing that unlimited, give you everything for 50 bucks. Um, and uh, Andrew, our guest today, we're, we're going to get into why he decided to go with the pricing he did. Um, because I mentioned to him that you know, some of this pricing, you know, you can get away with, with his plugin, 50 sites for $150. Um, that's real small stuff uh, when you can, if you think about how many sites, you're, how much you're selling for each individual site, right? So if you sold 50 sites, and even if you couldn't get past the $500 client um, per site, that's some serious money um, and a small investment uh, on his end to help customize these sites for his plugin. Um, you know, he should be getting a lot more. So it's, it's definitely an interesting talk. I'd love to hear your feedback about pricing. If you have a plugin that you are pricing or have priced, you're doing really well with it. Shoot me an email, mattreportblog at gmail.com. I'd love to kind of work in these different stories of pricing into a, into a special blog post. Um, so we can share sort of your thoughts with the world and how you price your products. Uh, without further ado, on to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back uh, to the Matt Report. Usually this thing dings, so I know when I'm going live, but it didn't do it this time. Um, happy to be here. Happy to have Andrew Norcross on the show today, Reactive Studios and Genesis Design Palette Pro. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, you know, if you haven't been watching the show, where the heck have you been? Uh, number one WordPress business podcast uh, in the entire universe. Um, so that's pretty awesome. That's official, by the way. Uh, MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. Uh, today, we invited Andrew on to talk about what it's like to be a professional WordPress developer sort of transitioning now into, um, or maybe we're transitioning, we're going to hear about that, uh, about plugin development, selling a plugin, marketing a plugin, supporting a plugin, thinking about the future of a plugin, <laughs> all of these things uh, that is going through his mind, all the while balancing the studio and agency life. So, uh, Andrew, for folks who don't know you, who are you and what do you do? Well, uh, as you said, my name is Andrew Norcross. Uh, 
I run Reactive Studios with the help of my wife and a few other folks. I've been working with WordPress in some manners for coming on seven years now. I've been, I did not have a programming background or anything of that nature. I actually was in banking and finance for about 10 years. I went from being an accountant and doing basically glorified data entry up through when I left that career path. I was a Series 7, series seven licensed investment advisor, and in particular, I managed fiduciary assets held in trust, which basically meant I managed money for dead people. And I decided that I just didn't want to do anything in that line of work ever again. Uh, I had started doing a little bit of WordPress stuff here and there back when it was, I built a server and I needed to put something on that server. So I started to, I built my brother a website, he has a, a window tinting business, and I built one or two others, very basic HTML, I mean nothing, no database whatsoever. And then I started with, I'm like, oh, well I should have a blog, because I'd had them in random spots before, like Blogger, LiveJournal, and all those other places. Not that I ever write, really, because it's very, very rare that I actually write anything down. But, so I went ahead and Initially, I got movable type working because it was easier to get set up at the time, and I just couldn't stand the templating language. It just didn't make any sense to me. I hated having to make all these little changes everywhere, and I finally was able to get WordPress working on the server. And I had a friend who ran a small site in WordPress, and he needed to get new hosting, so I put it on my box, and everything else kind of rolled out from there. It was. I did not intend on this even being a career. I had, at one point, I had gone, I left uh, the finance world, I went. Back, I was going back to school full time to get around to finally finishing my degree. And over the course of a few months, I had some stuff happen in my personal life that required me to have some sort of full time employment. And at, by that point, the amount of work that I had coming in was enough to sustain that. And uh, so I just kept going with it because I didn't know what else to do. It was there, and I, I figured it was it was worth giving it a shot. I was 26 or 27 at the time, and the, you know from there it's it's grown. I don't think I've ever had a down year right. in one way or the other. I've uh, over the course of this, I've I've worked for myself as a as a solo or you know solopreneur or whatever the buzzword is. Uh, you know, basically just you know, flat out freelancing. I've done work for larger agencies for uh, about a year and a half combined. I worked for two separate marketing firms full time and you know managed the company on the side. Mm -hmm. And back in June, July of last year, decided to you know at the time I was you know I was 32 years old and I'm looking at it like if there's a time to do it, now is it and so we went back to launching, relaunching the company full time, rebranded it, uh, built a new site. My wife took over the, the project management, which actually allowed me to just write code mm -hmm. and to do what I'm good at. And with you know, with that, we're able to to actually manage projects better was able to take on larger clients that needed a little more hand-holding that I wasn't able to do because I couldn't do that and actually do the development work. And it's grown, you know, quite a bit. Mm. I started writing plugins pretty early on just to do it and slowly have been moving into the commercial side nice. of plugins. And that's where we are now. Nice. So there's a lot of stuff that's happened in this uh, span of uh, what sounds like almost a, a, a decade of doing this. You're not the only one that's come from the financial market. Um, the names uh, are, are escaping me right now, but I've heard this before that a lot of folks are come from the finance side. Um, I don't want to explore that, but it'd be interesting to kind of figure out why people uh, run from that to WordPress. But um, your story sounds like a lot of folks in the audience who are uh, they're either still working a full-time job and they're looking to get out of it, and WordPress seems to be the tool that they're going to use to um, to catapult themselves into some new market. 
does Andrew have a three-step process of what it was like to get out of the real day job into freelancing? Or was it just a, a combination snowball effect that kind of just happened? Some of it was certainly a snowball effect because I did not have any idea that this was going to grow into what it did. Uh, had I done that, maybe it would have planned differently. But, you know, what I just started doing the work. And for a while, what I would actually do is I kept the phrase WordPress help in a column on, on TweetDeck as a search term. And I would look for people that were having problems and I would respond. And sometimes it would be a simple one line, you know, I could answer the question in 140 characters or I could point them to a plugin that solved what they were looking for. Or sometimes it would actually need some help. And a few of those turned into actual clients. Uh, one or two of them are still my clients now. And most of them, you know, budget-wise or, or other way, are there were one-offs just, you know, needed something, something to do. Mm. And that combined with I just started digging into as much as I could from a resource perspective. You know, I would look at what other sites were doing. I'd look at what other developers were doing. I would try to, I would try to mimic what I saw on other sites. I would look for, you know, as many chunks of code as I could find, and I would just keep pushing. I didn't, I didn't sleep much <laughs> at all. Uh, I mean, people, people would make jokes that they thought I had one of those auto tweeting things. <laughs> because they would see me tweet at like 4 o'clock in the morning and then they'd see yep. me tweet at like 6.30. Yep. And I was like, no, that was me both times. <laughs> I got two and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's subsided, but it's you know, kind of where, where I went with that. You said something um, pretty interesting and actually comes uh, up very often uh, when, we're, when we're doing some like, consulting stuff with other people starting their, their WordPress business is you, you, you do work freelance, you do work with your own clients, but then you'll work with an agency. Um, some folks work with other PR firms or something like that as like their back office. Um, you know, that's one strategy for folks who are just jumping into this where they're sort of like, who do I, what do I focus on? Like, do I set up a Twitter tweet deck column that, that finds people looking for help? Do I just try to knock on doors and sell websites or do I partner up with another agency? Looking back uh, at where you're at now and what you were doing back then, is there a particular uh, avenue you'd rather go down uh, in terms of growth and at least finding yourself? Um, doing that, you know, that search column thing, what I didn't realize at the time, but what it exposed me to was so many different scenarios that I would have never encountered had I been building something from start to finish. You know, they, they were these weird plug-in combinations. They were these you know, themes that I've never heard of, whether they were custom-built or some theme shop that I've just never seen. They were any number of things, and usually there was a problem. So that meant not only did I have to dig into and find out what the current state of the site was and do it quickly, but then I had to fix it. And that really bumped up my, my ability to kind of weed through all the different parts of what WordPress is, me, what WordPress is doing, both from, a, you know, from an actual code perspective, but then what people, like users, were doing. You know, what were they doing with it? What what were they trying to bend it into for them? And I was able to find, you know, these scenarios that, you know, a bunch of them I've still never encountered um, building my own thing, ever. So, yeah, that gave me the ability to, to when, when something didn't work or when something went wrong, I knew, what, I knew a good place to start. Mm. Do you have a, um, looking back at it now, would you say that you'd prefer working with that one-on-one -on -one client? I mean, I know that's what you're doing now, but thinking of yourself as growing, did that make more sense, or would it make more sense to partner up with an agency um, to kind of figure your way out, especially with figuring out WordPress? I'm not sure how you'd be able to get in with an agency without having done the individual client stuff first. Okay. Uh, simply because it, it's very hard to build that skill set in a vacuum. You, know, you can build stuff all day long, but until it's actually being used and it's being, you know, basically stress tested by actual, you know, regular users, uh, it's very hard to to get that skill set to a point where a, an agency would find value. Mm. Mm. In my experience. Yeah. Um, what was that aha moment where you said, and, and I know you said you you helped a friend build a site, but what was your first major quote unquote major 
project like? And when, when, when did you say, you know what, I, I can definitely turn this into a career? Do you remember that project and, and how that went? Gosh, uh, I would probably, think for a second, it was a while ago, but there was about two or three sites that, were, uh, that I was working on at the same time. And one of them was just, it, it was an old Kubrick build that did not even change the name of the folder. I mean, just about every bad practice that could happen was going on at the same time. And going through that, I told him, I was like, this, you can probably fix this but it's going to take longer and there's no guarantee because it's just it's so outdated and I forget whatever analogy I used for the guy but I told him I was like it's probably going to be cheaper to just rebuild this and do it the right way and at the time I wasn't 100% sure I could rebuild it mm. but I sold it to him anyway and then I realized I'm like okay now I have to make sure I know how to rebuild this so I did nice the now, were you doing this all remote? This is still like somebody coming from Twitter, or is this somebody you were meeting with, like shaking hands with? Uh, these were all remote. I met with a, you know, I would meet with a few local clients, but a lot of times I had less success with local clients because they wanted more of my time. Mm. You know, they wanted me to come to their office once a week or every, you know, or they they felt that, you know, they wanted me to keep a nine to five schedule with them, and I. At the time, it's my, what was, you know, my life didn't jive with that. Yeah, uh, and and that's an interesting scenario because that's how a lot of folks just starting out. I mean, they're I go to WordCamps and and talk to people who are doing that, and they're you know they're saying, hey, you know, it's great, it's great business because I can I can go and I can meet them and I can see where they work and and all this stuff. But then eventually. Um, you know, they want you to come to the office to show them how to use WordPress, or um, you know, they they got a new product in and they want you to come and take like the pictures for <laughs> for it. Uh, it's like no, no, no. I'm you know, I'm developing you the WordPress site. You have to bring those assets to the table. Um, any advice for folks who are you know looking to just say no to that kind of thing, um, or any advice towards the people who are just working online? Is there anything that they can do to start finding these leads that are out there today um, to work remotely? It's fine. My own experience is a lot of that is just simply coming word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, and I know that you know it was the case then, and it's certainly the case now. Is there's a lot of work to be had, and there's a lot of stuff that like comes across my plate that, for one reason or another, either the budget may be a little too low or the timeline doesn't fit with the other projects I have on schedule that I can't take it. Mm -hmm. And you know, it from time to time, it's been a struggle to find other folks that I know. And that I trust well enough to, you know, at least refer to. Uh, most of the, you know, if someone's trying to get that get that moving, I mean, that would be the first thing I would do is just say, you know, make yourself known to other other folks in the community, and they will give you the work mm. if you show that you can do it. Mm. Yeah. Best place for developers to to get known today. Um, is it WordCamps? Is it .org? Is .org too saturated now? Um, developer comes to you and says, hey, Andrew, how do, how do I get noticed? Where do you think they should go? Uh, first part, I mean, Twitter, as much as it, you know, at times pains me to say that. <laughs> uh, a lot of, you know, most of us are working from home. We're working remote, and that's the one. And I know there's the WP Water Cooler you know, podcast, but, you know, that's kind of the one place that a lot of us will... You know, we'll spend time. Now, I, I don't do, I don't keep that up nearly as much as I used to, just because it can be distracting. But it's a good place to see, you know, who's talking to who. You know, what are they working on? Because you know, they'll they'll mention it. Uh, you'll see one person answer, you know, ask a question, somebody else answer it. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, it's not an invitation to immediately barge into everybody's conversation. Mm. And at times. You know, depending on the tone of the conversation, it's probably best to, to stay out of it. But you know, more often than not, you look at it and you're like, okay, this this is, you know, you get to see the people who are around. And from there, I mean, I've never I've never got a job a client off a job board or a freelancer's list or, or anything like that. So I have no idea if those things are, are, are work work. I've never used them. I've never I've never had to. Mm. So, yeah, you know, I have no experience one way or the other. I know some folks 
you know, that stuff works well for them. Other people, you know, they don't like the clients because it's, you know, it seems to be, you know, lower tier financially. Mm. But my experience has been, you know, the work has always come to me. I've rarely had to go out and look for leads. Yeah. I recently received an email from a gentleman um, out in the UK who's, you know, just launching his business in the WordPress world. Um, and he asked about that $500 client and scaling up from there. And, you know, he, he was thinking about doing pro bono work, right, for either nonprofits or something like that so that he could kind of build up his portfolio. And I said, yeah, I mean, that's a great that's a great um, stepping stone and as long as it can be managed well I, and you really have nothing right now um, to bring it bring in leads I can see that happening as long as you ask these folks that hey at least give me a few leads or a few referrals write up a good um, write up a good recommendation for me um, showcase this uh, as a case study or something like that um, have you ever done any kind of pro bono work when you started out um, you think that's a good way to kind of um, get your foot out there? I did one. I think I've done maybe one or two, but they were for, for organizations or, or causes that I agreed with and, and felt that it was worth doing. Uh, it was in no way for any anything back. The one, one I remember, this was you know a couple of years ago when the, the, that flood in Haiti. I helped build a site for an organization that was doing, you know, doing some charity work for that. And I did that because I felt that they were doing something good and I wanted to help. And I felt that, you know, I could write them a check for a couple hundred bucks or I could build them something that would help bring in potentially thousands. So that was in my way, my way of contributing, uh, you know, pro bono work. If, if you want to do it, great. Um, but my own experience has been, I, I don't give anything away expecting something back. If I'm going to give it away, give it away. Mm. You know, the the whole point of you know scaling up from $500 clients is that you've got to have the $500 clients first. They're going to exist. Uh, they're always going to exist. You know, nobody wants them, but there's a lot to be learned from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. It's definitely if if you're looking at it. Um, as a, as a learning experience, as a small paid learning experience, um, I guess that's definitely a, a strong thing. Because then you get to kind of test the market and see what works, um, you know. And as long as you're not trying to build them a Facebook for 500 bucks, you know, you're you're fairly safe. Um, let's talk into this. Let's talk about this transition into now getting into the product space, now getting into um, a premium plugin space. You've done plugins in the past. You have a, a bunch. Um, Few of them that I use uh, specifically would be the the, the um, system reporter, uh, the one that gives you the outline of what's uh, going on in your WordPress site. Um, why this new product, um, and how did that come to fruition? So, um, well, I've got I think I, at this point I have 25 or 26 plugins in the repository, uh, combined with a bunch of stuff on GitHub. In some of it's done, some of it's close to done. Uh, the stuff in GitHub tends to be a little more, you know, specialized to what I wanted it to do, and it might not be really useful for a whole lot of other people. But I put it there, you know, if in case it is. Uh, I got to a, a point where I could not support. I did not simply have the time to support the free plugins I had, and as much as I wanted to, it was I was trying to. I'd look in there and realize I hadn't checked in a month, and that's not what I wanted to be able to do, but that I was stuck. You know, that I actually went and had, uh, I had a couple of them taken out because they were, had not, I hadn't touched them in, in two, three years. I wasn't going to touch them. You know, they were, they fit a need at the time. They just don't anymore. Uh, and I realized that, you know, I like building plugins, but if I'm not going to support them, I'm not going to build them because it, nobody, you know, everyone gets angry. So I realized that I should probably charge for them. You know, a I thought that you know the my ability had gotten to the point where you know I could mer I could justify charging for it. You know, some of the early plugins I built, by if if I had, if I had paid for it and then looked at the code, I would be very angry. <laughs> uh, whereas the stuff now, I'm like I think it's built very well, and it fits a need. And then I, I know how to support it. I know how to document it. I know how to make it extendable. Whereas that I didn't know how to do that stuff early on. Yes. Yeah. The um, 
you know, if WordPress is a funny, funny place, and you know, I'm not a developer. Um, you know, I what I do is I really consult with these clients, and I help them make the right choice and 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 pick the right technology to use. But your thoughts as a developer? I mean, you might you might come up with this idea, you know, and let's say you write a plugin in a weekend. Um, you might know that you took some shortcuts, but to the to the end user, as long as it works for them, you know, the, for the average Joe of WordPress, um, you know, how much do you care about going back to rewrite that to maybe not, you know, from 500 lines of code to 450 lines of code? What's the big deal, right? As some might say, um, how important is that to you? Um, I usually don't release it until those shortcuts are gone. And the reason for that is, again, nothing's in a vacuum. Yeah, it might work if that's the only thing you're running. But that's not going to be the only thing they're running. And I would rather, you know, spend the extra day, maybe, you know, to do it right. Because um, I've done that. I built the plugin in a weekend, uh, the Backstretch plugin that I got out. And then I took another day and a half to go, go back through and make sure that, you know, I added some filters to allow people to change things that I didn't you know, I didn't want to build a huge settings panel. Uh, I went through made sure everything was clean and, and then I ran it on a couple test environments just to make sure that you know everything was everything was good. And it, it took another day or so. Like and it wasn't even like a full, you know, ten hour day of coding. It was in between doing other stuff. Mm -hmm. So and half of that was writing documentation. So I don't see the I don't see the benefit of releasing something. I, I know that you know the whole startup culture, the minimum viable product, is a big deal, and that's great. But frankly, I don't think a a plugin or a piece of software that is not finished is meets that minimum requirement. Yeah, mm. you know, if it's a uh, um, if it's a you know if it's something that is not done properly. Then, frankly, it's not it's not minimum, and right. it's going to cause more problems. Right, and you took the words right out of, right out of my mouth. That's where I was going with it. MVP and your product today. How long did it take you um, to sort of plan out and launch your first version of Design Palette Pro? I had built a version of it about two two and a half years ago wow. for a previous version, Genesis. It was something I was working for a marketing firm at the time and I was building them an internal a child theme for internal projects. So I built out this kind of settings page, styling page, just so they could, you know, whomever was using it could do those things with A without me having to do it. But also uh, just so it would be easy to roll this stuff out. And I baked it into the child theme and you know it was very much a a, a, a something that was tailored to that. But I realized that it was probably useful for other folks, so I, I took it and you know I, I extracted it out, I cleaned it up, I yeah you know, made it a little more general in nature and released it, and folks liked it. Now again, this is one of those things that you know it wasn't extendable. It only worked with Genesis flat. It didn't work with you know any child themes. Uh, it had other limitations. You know, there's no way to filter font lists or add settings or, you know, it was all just there. So, you know, I had had on my list for, like, I have a long list of stuff that I would like to build at some point if the time ever made itself available. And that was on there for knowing that, two, you know, Genesis 2.0 was coming. That was one of the things that I wanted to, to do. And I decided maybe about three months ago, Maybe a little bit more to start planning that out because it was, you know, it was out. It had been out for a little bit. Uh, they were rolling out the 2.0 child themes. So, you know, I first looked at the mistakes that I made with the first one, and that's kind of where I started. And then I I started to flesh out. You know, I actually tr tried to flesh out the UI a little bit first because I'm not a UI person. Like I'm not good at that. And Knowing what I wanted to, what I what I wanted to accomplish, I then try you know I try to get a very very rough idea of where things would go and how things would flow, and then from there I started just building out and building out, and every step along the way, 
whenever I had to make a decision about something, I would try to add a hook or a filter onto it. And then I would insert my decision, but I would make it to where, yeah, if, if someone else wants to change it, they're more than happy to do it. Mm. The, uh, you bring up an interesting point about being a developer, not being a, a sort of UI person. Um, you know, if, if, if you could have, would you have worked with somebody and not saying that the UI of the plugin um, is complicated or, or not, not properly working, but would you have liked to partner with somebody, you know, if you had you know, seed investment or an angel investment in something like this? Um, you know, would you have done something like that? Or would you say, you know what, I want to stick as the solopreneur and do this all myself? Oh, yeah. If, if I would have had the, the budget and time to pay a, an actual UX UI person, and I know that usually sometimes those are two different people, but, you know, someone who, who has, you know, actually building user interfaces, you know, as a skill set, I, I would have done it in heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, pr part of the problem was, you know, the feature set was evolving as I was building it. Mm -hmm. You know, I would build out one part and realized I, I need to do something over here for this to match up. Mm -hmm. So it would have been a little bit difficult to have somebody do that before I had finished out. You know, so it was, it was kind of a moving target. They, you know, if there were someone else on my team who that's all they did, yeah. then yeah, it would have been a different story. Um, for the, for a, sh a real short synopsis of this plugin, what we're doing here is we're installing this plugin. It's allowing people that run Studio Press and specific child themes right now to sort of customize the front end of the site, be it colors, uh, font sizes, that kind of thing, and a whole slew of other um, uh, style options. This is a lot, right? This plugin does a lot. Yeah, it does. Uh, as you said, it, the core version of the plugin is tied to uh, Genesis itself, and it preloads with all of the defaults that are in Genesis itself, all the colors and spacing and things of that nature, and then it allows you to go through and make those various styles based on what you want. Uh, it's got a live preview, so as you're making changes on the left, you see it on the right. Mm -hmm. uh, it lets you, you know, I've got two add-ons for free that are out in the repository. One hooks in about 30 of the most popular Google fonts, and another one gives you a little box where you can actually enter freeform CSS if, for some reason, there's some weird one-off thing that you just want to drop in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there are add-ons for particular child themes, which will, A, it'll swap out the defaults to match that particular child theme, and it will remove any settings that aren't relevant to that, and it will add new ones for anything unique to that mm -hmm. child theme. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'm interested in hearing, and you may have not uh, received this feedback yet, but from the common Joe who buys this plug-in, um, let's say he or she buys the basic um, uh, the basic plan starts going in and starts customizing it, and they make a site that they don't like, right? They design, you know, mixes of colors and font sizes, and it just looks hideous. And they turn to you and they say, yeah, this plugin doesn't work. Look at how terrible my site looks. <laughs> I was like, well, it's your fault. I, you know, how, how do you go? Have you experienced this yet? Uh, how do you go about supporting somebody who's very new uh, to this, this type of interaction? Well, I mean, the, the goal of the plugin was to kind of fill that gap between folks who are completely happy with one off the shelf and someone who is going to hire a developer or a designer. Mm. Yeah, and I thought that gap was pretty wide. And they didn't want to make their own child theme. And they didn't know how, they didn't, they didn't feel comfortable doing it. So, and especially if they're already using a child theme, you know, there's no grandchild themes. So, I mean, if they, yeah, they could MySpace it up. There's, there's nothing preventing them from doing that. Uh, I don't include Comic Sans in the font choices. I mean, I did did make that executive decision, but otherwise, uh, no one has come back and said, uh, this doesn't make me a better designer. Right. Uh, if they did, I probably would say, it doesn't make me one either. Mm -hmm. uh, this doesn't replace skill. This, this replaces you know, the ability to do so programmatically. And I tell them that then you should probably hire a designer. Right. 
the uh, you came up. Uh, I wrote an article about uh, after reading Chris Lemon's book, um, pricing, and looking at a few other product launches that came out. You came out with three, <clears throat> excuse me, pricing plans: thirty-nine, sixty-nine, and one forty-nine. <clears throat> you know, and I, when I did the math, it was like three dollars or something like a dollar something a site. Um, how did you come up with pricing um, for one forty-nine for fifty licenses? Well, I knew that I did not want to do an unlimited option, mm -hmm. which I, on some other stuff that I released, I do have that ability because they're smaller scope items. Uh, what I wanted to avoid with this in particular was the consultants of the world, you know, buying it, you know, throwing a coat of paint on it, installing it, and then disappearing. And then the support comes back to me. And I could see that becoming uh, big, mm. you know, quickly. And that's what I wanted to avoid. So, and also from the whole roof fiasco, I knew that, you know, if it's it's 50 right now, if, if I decided to bump it up to 100 or decided to drop it to 40, there's, A, most people probably wouldn't even be affected, but, you know, I they wouldn't be happy necessarily if I lowered the number of licenses. Not that I have any intent to, but... Uh, but it's justifiable. I could understand. I could explain my reason. If I went from unlimited to anything else, you know, I've now changed the nature of the agreement, and now people are going to be that much more upset, even if they didn't, you know, even if they used it twice. Mm. You know, they're still like, you said I have unlimited, and now I don't have unlimited. Um, you know, even if I gave them a number that they couldn't possibly reach, it, it doesn't matter. Psychologically, I've now told them they have they have a limitation that they didn't have before. Right. So 50 seemed like a high number that folks would be, you know, if you're using this on more than 50 sites, you know, that, it, you know, I keep an eye on, on, you know, folks that are using it from an activation standpoint. You know, if I see someone that's getting close to 50, I'll probably reach out to them and, and see what's going on. Are they just not deactivating development sites? Are they, you know, is there something wrong on my end that it's like double counting something? Mm. Or, or maybe they, you know, maybe they need something, you know, beyond that. But I can address those on a case by case basis. Right, and and that's a good thing because it, what that'll do is open up an opportunity for you to, you know, not not necessarily somebody abusing it, but somebody you could reach out to and say, hey, if you're going to hit 50, um, chances are you probably somewhere in that in those 50 sites, there's probably something you're actually looking for, extra, um, that the plugin might not solve right now, but you'd happily work with them to build out some new feature or function that would work because if they're if they're doing 50 sites um, they're probably a good good sized consultant right um, yeah or, or some kind of uh, agency or, or something of the sorts that's kind of helping out many many uh, domains which would be awesome for you um, so what's next what's what I mean I see that you're gonna you're gonna connect with other themes um, is that sort of the plan right now to kind of go through all Studio Press's three million themes and get get it compatible with that. Well, I mean, I'm for only free, doing... damn you, for free. Um, well, the add-ons, uh, the child, the way it's set up, the child theme add-ons uh, are are not free. The but they're not expensive. I think I've got them at ten or fifteen bucks. I, I off the top of my head, I don't remember. Uh, pricing obviously being something fluid because it's still new. Uh, the fact that there are two add-ons done now with a third one you know, getting close, is much different than when I have 15 done. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be mindful of how to package things and how to bundle things once there are more things, well, once I have more add-ons out there. But initially, yes, yeah, to roll through and start, you know, and, and to get these done for the 2.0 child themes. The pre-2.0 stuff, I'm not touching. Because the markup is completely different, it would basically involve writing a new plugin, and I'm not going to do it. Right. Uh, from there, you know, I'm looking at other add-ons. Uh, for example, uh, gravity forms. Uh, you know, so something you know pointed so you can style gravity forms. Maybe BB Press or EDD or something like that. Uh, some of the popular stuff out there. Tremendous. Um, looking back before you uh, got on this journey of uh, going into a premium plugin like this, is there anything you would have changed um, along the way or done slightly different before launching launching it to the world? I probably would have saved up a little bit of money so I did not have to do any client work 
for the week before and the two or like the week after, you know, for a length of time before, during, and after launch because that was the most, you know, there's all the little things about launching it that even though I'd done it before, uh, this was a, on a much different scale mm. and, you know, it was, you know, getting the plugin done, I was pretty much done. I'm like, all right, great. Now I have to actually build the site to sell it. And then I have to make sure all the payment stuff is set up and configured and all the licensing is set up and all the, yeah, just on, I am all this stuff that had nothing to do with the actual plugin. Right. And stuff that I, while I had budgeted time for it, I did not in any remotely do it well. Yeah. So I was Is there one thing that derailed this this launch uh, or project that you would tell somebody definitely focus on this before you make a launch? Uh, well, when I was about ninety percent of the way done with the plugin, I realized that I had been doing one part of it in a complete and a very inefficient and frankly stupid way. Uh, it worked, and that's like one of those shortcuts. Yeah, it yep. worked, but I knew that if I had actually launched with that it would have been harder to back out of. And essentially I would have been stuck having to somehow or another support that method mm. of doing of doing something a particular way. Just to keep backwards, you know, or otherwise anything that would have been built on top of it would have broken. Mm. So I'm like I it ended up being delayed about two weeks because I had to go back and refactor about fifty percent of the plugin. Mm. At least. Uh, maybe more. But it became but when I was done with it, it was a lot more solid. Uh, it was a lot easier to extend. It was a lot easier to explain how to extend, uh, which was big for me. Nice. And you know, I made it in such a way that I knew I knew that it was solid. I, I was comfortable. If anyone would have asked why I was doing something, I was very comfortable in explaining why it was done a particular way. Mm. Do you think that we get a little too... Um yeah, I, the word is escaping me, but do you think we care too much about what our WordPress peers will say about our stuff versus what the actual market will say? Um, like I said before, like if you're selling it and it works and these people are happy with it, like the common person, your customer who's paying you, doesn't that weigh a little bit more to the positive side than if you know Ryan Duff said, damn it, you didn't do this right? Yes and no. I mean... Am I going to listen to every bit of feedback from another WordPress developer? No, I'm not. Uh, there are some that just do, you know, we all have our own habits and, and quirks and the way, the way we do things. Um, I mean, heck, just ask, go ask them which IDE is best. Right, yeah, God. Done. And that's not even, that's just writing the code. That's right. not anything about the actual code right. uh, combined with, you know, things of that nature. But many times... People are, you know, customers are going to get recommendations from those WordPress peers. So yes, I want them to at least know that it's a quality. You know, whether or not it fits the need is separate, but I want them to know that yes, it's quality and it's built well. And especially with with this uh, with Design Palette in particular, I built it to be extendable. So. I definitely want the code to be well because I'm expecting people to dig into it and build on top of it. And if the foundation isn't solid, that's just gonna, you know, make me look bad, uh, make the product look bad, and people won't build on it. You know? Right, right. What's the biggest challenge you're facing right now as you move ahead? Is it, uh, you know, is it gonna be marketing? Is it gonna be building out a new feature set? Uh, oh, marketing, absolutely. Uh, I don't know how to market things. <laughs> there's really no no clean, there's no nice way to say that other than I don't know, you know, again, because I've, I've never been a regular user of WordPress. Yep. I, the, my first experience was building something on it. Mm -hmm. So I've never looked at it from a regular user's point of view. They want to they jump in, do what they want to do and leave. You know, they don't care what, it, yeah, you're right, they don't care what the code looks like, but mm -hmm. I'm going to look at it. I do. You know, I always look at the source code. I always dig into that stuff. So, you know, finding the finding a way to make sure that what I'm presenting makes sense to a regular user. You know, not that they're you know we like to say the word dumb down, but they're not dumb. Right. They're just not developers, and there's right. a difference. Right. <laughs> um, and, and and showing them that yes, this solves your problem. You know, they don't they don't care about the feature. You know, they they want to. Are you solving my problem? Right. And, and showing them yes, this solves your problem. And I know it because of X. Yeah, many of them, <clears throat> excuse me, would pay that 150 bucks for one site, 
uh, <laughs> just just to solve that problem. Um, so it's definitely interesting, um, you know, to see, uh, you know, where this goes. And um, you know, I, I wish you all the best with this product. I think it's awesome. Something that um, you know, you're you're definitely dipping into a great market of obviously Studio Press. There's a lot, ton of folks there, which is no surprise. Um, and um, you know, I think it's going to do great. And I think it's I think it's there's definitely a need out there. Um, and you're right, partnering up with sort of the WordPress folks to give them the give them the recommendation or give the, their client the recommendation to use this, or on the flip side, training somebody who's just getting into WordPress development to use this product to launch Studio Press based sites um, is awesome stuff. That'll be the end of the formal interview. We're going to jump into the last few segments. Uh, first one: What's in your toolbox? Do you have a secret app or method that you use to get through your your day? Some of us use Evernote, Sublime Text, Google Docs, but do you have one that's kind of rare that people might not know about that you use? Um, well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm Sublime Text. Uh, I'm one of those few people that use Windows and don't care, and I'm perfectly okay with it. Uh, that being said, my next machine is probably going to be a Mac because I need a sh <laughs> because I need the shell. That's why yeah. I, I'm not even happy that I'm going to be getting one. But yeah. um, I mean, my biggest toolbox. I mean, I use uh, Asana for pretty much everything, and I built a small plugin that connects uh, the Gravity Forms that I have on my site. They automatically go into Asana as a new task, so I can start. You know, I follow it a lot. I say me, my my wife. Uh, follows up on the leads, and so we actually see them. So I don't have to go back and bury into my email looking for stuff. Nice. Uh, be beyond that is, I have a comfortable mouse and desk. <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I actually have a. I'm sitting right now, but I have a standing desk, and you know, I, I just keep. You know, I don't write. I don't try to keep anything in my head anymore. I used to do that for a long time, and it, it would constantly bite me mm. because. I forget things, and you know, so I keep that sort of stuff. You know, I keep folders for every project. I keep a you know, an actual text file with random notes and you know, whatever the case may be on the computer, and I keep it active. Nice. Uh, listener question comes in from uh, Travis Northcutt. How long until Daisy is trained to code? I don't think the pig's going to be coding anytime soon. She's very... Uh, well, besides the fact that she has hooves, <laughs> and, can't, and can't actually press keys. Uh, I don't feel that she will. Sh that's her. You know, she she likes to look good. I don't think she really cares about writing code. And for those in the audience who don't know, you have a pet pig, right? Is that is that proper to say a pet pig? Yeah. Is there a different uh, word I should be using? <laughs> no, she's. Uh, yeah, we have two dogs and a pig. Nice. I'm uh, gonna jump into the lightning round. I'll ask you a series of quick questions, and you'll have a series of quick answers. The one plugin you cannot live without besides your own. Gravity Forms. A favorite WordPress or business book. Uh, design is a job. A quote that you live or run your business by. Uh, the world doesn't owe you anything. Great. The best business or career advice you ever received. Uh, probably the same thing I just said before. Yep. Um, the, what's the longest the client project has ever taken? Two and a half years. Nice. Um, that must have been fun. No, uh, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> if you had to switch to another CMS, what would it be? I wouldn't. And who should I interview next? Uh, Pippin. Well, you probably already have. Yeah, I already had Pippin. That's okay. Maybe we can get him back back on again. Um, or Jay, some... I'm gonna say you've done Jared. Yep. Atkinson. Oh no, not yet. No, no. Then I would try. I'd probably talk to him. Nice. Um, What's the one question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Uh, I would probably say the biggest, you know, my biggest mistakes in the commercial field. Do you have one that you can name? Yeah, and it was not doing enough research on the on the client side. I'm sorry, the customer side for an actual use case. Uh, the very first commercial plugin I released, the uh, it's a ratings, you know, the star ratings, and I spent a while building it. Uh, I knew that there wasn't much out there that did it well. There's one plugin that I won't name it because it's not important, but 
it's been out for a very long time. That's what most people use, but they didn't like it. Even even as they were using it, they're like, I don't like this thing, but it's the only thing that does it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't actually look to see if enough people needed it to warrant building it, uh, or at least spending the time building it the way I did. And you know, the the backstretch plugin that I made, that was the one that I made in the weekend. Then I spent another day and a half. Uh, that one has sold better, and it was and and quicker. Mm. You know, it, it in two weeks past the three and a half months of the previous. Hmm. Interesting. So I, I realized it was, you know, in my mind it was like a dumb little thing. Mm. But I that's my head as a developer, not as a user, saying, yes, I want this. And they were happy about it. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, you know, as, again, as you move forward and you're getting the revenue that you are getting in from selling uh, the plugins, um, you know, we'll kind of help reinvest in that and at least validate uh, everything that you've done so far. Um, which is going to be awesome, and I wish you uh, the best success with that. Um, great interview, tons of advice for the beginner developer, uh, tons of advice for how to transition into selling a plugin. And it's not easy, folks. It takes the time, it takes time, and you have to do the work. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there that's like shortcuts, like how to be a millionaire on the web, and we all get lost in the MVP, most uh, minimal viable product. Um, you know, and, and to put out a good product takes the time and the effort. Um, so, uh, you know, congrats on you on, on doing that, Andrew, and, and really working hard to do it. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Well, uh, I'm, on, I'm still on Twitter. It's just at Norcross. Uh, I have my own site. It's just andrewnorcross.com. Uh, because of Norcross, Georgia, it's very difficult for me to get any domains with Norcross <laughs> in it. Uh, it is the largest suburb of Atlanta. They're very, very popular. Did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Their, their high school sports teams are on ESPN. That's how wow. I, I found out. So yeah. uh, I have my company site, uh, Reactive Studios. And you know, Design Palette Pro is on its own site. And included there is a live demo that you can log in and see exactly how it works. You can walk yourself through to see, you know, if it if it does something you need it to. It's uh, you know, GenesisDesignPro.com, and beyond that, uh, I'm not that far away. Uh, I'm home. Awesome, <laughs> awesome, Andrew. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me.